Good morning, Arbor. I'm glad to be back up here again to share with you. I don't think it's ironic that uh, we have Bread of Life starting with us today, and it's Happy Lunar New Year Day. So for those of you who celebrate Happy Lunar New Year, Happy um, Year of the Rabbit coming up for us. It's been a big deal at our school, um, very cultural um, diversity in our building, so it's been a big build up to the Lunar New Year today. So for those of you who celebrate that, Happy Lunar New Year to you. Um, I'm excited to be here to continue forward in the series that Ryan's doing on A Better Way. And the message today is pretty poignant to me. So as we go through this, know that I'm probably talking to myself just as much as anybody else in the room. Um, and it's about trying to be present in the now. I, I don't know if you've found it a struggle just to sit and be present in the now and not distracted by anything. It feels like we're in a world of distractions and we're more probably more distracted now than any time in history. Um, and we're not gonna put all the blame on the phone, although the phone has caused a lot of turmoil and distraction in our life in the last 10 years as it's been developed and advanced. It's basically a computer of chaos is what I call it at times. Um, but I struggle with that at times. I'll find myself like, I can't even sit down to watch like a football game without like looking up some stat or streaming something or looking what's going on somewhere else. Just to be able just to sit and watch a football game, my brain is like thinking of a different, d bunch of different things. And that's kind of the point of what I want to walk through today is that even today in this message, you may be done within five minutes listening to me. You may pull your phone out already, be scrolling, looking at something, maybe cross-referencing a verse, looking up something on theology.com because you don't think Scott said that correctly, or you didn't pronounce a word right, or you might be checking your Instagram feed or seeing what the weather's going to be like this afternoon for a walk. And I, I'm not judging anybody because I've done the same thing. I've sat there like trying to take notes and then I check this and I look at that and I'm going back and forth. Even the idea that five minutes into this message, your brain may be somewhere else. So if it is, I'm not offended. It's okay. I've been there and done that. Not when Ryan's preaching, never when that happens. Maybe when Brian's preaching, but not Ryan. <laughs> I love Brian. No, him and, I, him and I are like brothers. This is why we give each other a few little hard times. Brian's phenomenal. Um, but the phone does a lot. It pops things up, text messaging, Instagram. But that's not where I want our mind to go today because that's the easy divergent path to go to think about. There was a guy in the 70s that he was like, a, he was like way before his time when it came to like cognitive psychology and artificial intelligence. His name was Herbert Simon. And in 1977, he said this, a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. A wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. In 1977, and I think what we have gotten ourselves into is we have like over-informed ourselves on so many things, we get anxious about too many things. And so I don't want us to think about when we're talking about being present in the now, that just the phone, that's the easy path to walk down. I want you to try to think more about like I have this week about internally, peace, presence with what God's trying to tell me, hearing from him, learning and hearing from others. So I want to look at the life of Jesus and we see an example where he made being present, attentive and responsive in the moment, in the now. Jesus' ministry models the ability to be about God's business, but pausing to be present in people's business and their needs. And our big point today that I want to share with you is this. 
Jesus shows us how to be persistent in God's purpose while present in the now. Be persistent in God's purpose while present in the now. It makes me think of Psalm 118.24 where David says, this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it today, now. One of my favorite movies, Dead Poet Society, one of the opening scenes is there is where Robin William has them all gathered around this old trophy case. And he's talking to them about carpe diem. And he like leans in and he goes, can you hear them saying, seize the day? Seize the day. One of my favorite scenes in a movie. And the idea is like, do not waste on tomorrow or the past what you can do today. Now here's the, here's the scales that we have to balance. We need to plan and we need to have goals and we need to establish what we want to do in life. We're always going to end up looking back to learn and grow from mistakes and not repeat them. But oftentimes we find ourselves on one end of that and the other so much that we forget what's going on around us now. I know that's me. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But I want to look at three examples first from the life of Jesus where he was living in the now, the present. The first is a desperate woman, to me that represents a sense of hopelessness. A stubborn blind man, those who feel silenced or no one understands them. And a wee little man, the despised. People don't get me, they don't like me. And as we look at these examples, I want you to pay attention as to what's going around in Jesus' life in those moments when he stops to participate in life with these people. So let's look at the verse story. It's in Luke 8, 43, some background. Back, um, Jesus is entering into the city and um, um, Jairus, a synagogue leader, comes up to him and says, Jesus, my daughter is dying. She's 12 years old. Can you come help? Can you come heal her? Pretty astounding for a synagogue leader to come to Jesus and say that. So Jesus says, let's go. And they're on their way to Jairus' house to heal his dying daughter. I want you to keep that in your mind. So we pick the story up in verse 43. As Jesus was on his way to heal a sick dying daughter, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked, which is an absurd question if you think about it. You're in a crowd of people, you're getting jostled, you're getting bumped. Who touched me? All right. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding around you and pressing against you. Makes me laugh. Like, duh, really? <laughs> you got to read scripture this way sometimes. Sometimes I think we put our scripture on this holy platform. Like, life was messy and crazy and chaotic. And I think Peter, of all people, was like, come on, Jesus, there's people around us. Of course, somebody touched you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, I don't know why she felt this way in the moment. I, maybe she didn't get lost in the crowd. Maybe people were starting to point to her. Came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith is healed. You go in peace. Immediately in the moment, she was healed. Now I want you to just stop and pause about this for a second. Jesus was on his way to heal a dying daughter. The father standing right there watching this, he's like, w w you're stopping 
asking who touched you. I just told you my daughter has moments, maybe hours of living left in her. But in that moment, there was a greater need of a hopeless person in a moment of hope that if she touched Jesus' robe, just the hem of it, she'd be healed. And there's a, there's a power in being present enough in that moment that Jesus, being guided by the Spirit, said, stop. There's someone that needs me more right now, but I will still continue on my journey there. And I think what happens with me and us so we get so fixated on our journey there, we pass over the needs of now. Those that are feeling hopeless on our journey to find our own hope. What's amazing to me is I don't hear anything from the father in this story arguing, yelling. What are you doing? We gotta go, move. I wonder what his heart was in the moment that he had to pause his own hope for his own daughter to watch Jesus give hope in the moment, in the now. Oftentimes, we have these wait a minute moments. You've got a plan, you're walking out the door, you're getting ready to go somewhere, and all of a sudden, wait a minute, stop. For me, it was always one of my kids. I'm like, what? What now? And we rush, and we keep moving. We're on our way to, you know, something we have to deal with. For me, it happens at school all the time. I'm running down the hall to help with an incident or I'm going to meet with a teacher about you know, a parent meeting that's coming up and I guarantee you I'm walking down to my radio squawks, hey Scott, they need some help down in the lunchroom. I'm like, no, not right now. I don't want to deal with that. And then sometimes I can't, so I don't. Other times I do and more often than not, I get down there, I find a student that's in distress or something and we deal with it right in the moment. And there's things about dealing with things in the moment rather than later that there's a power to it. And I love that Jesus said there's a power that came out of me because there's a power when we are available and responsive to Jesus in the moment. And Jesus showed us again, he was able to be persistent in God's purpose while present in the now. Persistent in God's purpose while present in the now. His purpose was not just to heal the sick daughter, but to pause and help the hopeless woman in the moment. Let's look at a couple more stories as we go along this, and you can create as many connections or analogies or how this relates to your own life, because how it might relate and speak to me in my life might be different for you. The next one is about a blind man, and Jesus was approaching the great city of Jericho, going through one of the great gates. Jericho was the city that Thousands of years ago, the Israelites had marched around, they had blown their trumpets, they had shouted, and on top of the wall, Jericho people had thrown milkshakes and rotten fruit at them. No, that's veggie tales, sorry, <laughs> getting confused. They said, run away, you smell of rotten alderberries. That's a different story. See, none of you are probably going to get that one, I'm sorry. <laughs> they did not launch cows, they didn't do any of that. It was marching around the city and they blew their trumpets and they shouted and the walls fell down. And the city had been rebuilt and it was a magnificent city. And Jesus is going into the city and it says that he was going to go through Jericho. So he wasn't planning to spend a lot of time there. And as he's approaching it, the, the people were crowding all around him because anticipation had come in front of him. This guy that calls himself the Messiah is coming. So we pick the story up in Luke 18, verse 35. As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. What's all, the, what's all the hubbub? He knows the traffic in and out of the city. He sat there for years. And all of a sudden he knows, hmm, 
There's a backup on I-5. What's going on here? What's happening? There's a lot of congestion right here. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. Probably saying, shut up. He kept crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, questioned him, what do you want from me? And the guy said, well, yeah, duh, Lord, I want my sight. <laughs> I would love to see. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Immediately, right then, he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. Jesus had no plans to encounter anybody outside the city wall. He was going to go through Jericho. He had plans to pass through Jericho and go minister outside in the country. But on the way in, maybe this guy had heard, Jesus of Nazareth, I heard that he actually stops and helps people like me. What is the reputation that we have for ourselves preceding us when we go somewhere? Is it, oh, don't talk to that person. They're too rushed. They're too busy. I've had that said about me at times in my work. Oh, don't, don't go to Scott. He's too busy. He doesn't have time. I don't want that ever to be said. I'm busy. But I don't ever want it to be said I don't have time. The worst is when you hear it from your kids. I looked at one of my kids once. There was a struggle going at school. And I looked at um, Morgan. I said, Morgan, why don't you talk to me about that? She goes, Dad, you're just so busy. I'm never too busy for you. Why? Well, it just seems like it. Yeah, those are those moments in life where you can either turn around and argue and tell her how wrong she is. No, I'm not. I'm never too busy for you. What are you talking about? Or you can go, wow. Am I so engaged in the busyness of my life and my plans of where I need to go and do that I'm missing a need? And I just said, what do you need from me? She goes, I don't know. I just need you to listen. I just want you to see what my struggle is. All this guy wanted is he wanted a chance to engage Jesus for an opportunity to see. And in the moment, Jesus saw him. Everybody else around them was blind, not the blind man. They were blind to the purpose of what God called Jesus to do. The blind man saw clearly what Jesus was called here to do. And he dared interrupt Jesus' agenda. Because Jesus' agenda is not about him, it's about God. It's about God's purpose. And in that moment, again, when he called out his name, Jesus told us, pause. There's a moment here that contains a miracle. Let's go to a different story. Jesus again tells us, be persistent in God's purpose while present in the moment, present in the now. My next one is one of my favorite little stories. Many of you know the story only through a song. It's about a wee little man. How many of you know where we're going? Say the name if you know the name. Right. I think they left out a word for me. I think he was a short, rich, bald man. I, don't, I, just pick, I can't picture a wee little tax collector that's not bald. I don't know why. Maybe it's a prejudice, a bias. I'll, I'll work through that. I'll look into that. But there's a story about a short, rich, bald man with the most despised occupation of all Israel, a tax collector, a publican, not a republican. 
when I was a kid, we were doing a play, a, Chris, a story about this in Sunday school, and we were acting it out, and one of my friends was playing Zacchaeus, and he goes, everybody hates me, I'm a Republican. <laughs> half the audience cheered, the other half laughed, all right, so it's not a Republican, let's not get into that today, he was a publican, a tax collector, and if you don't know this, in the time of Jesus of Israel right now, they were under the rule and the thumb of the Roman Empire. And all that Israel was hoping for was the Messiah to come, overthrow the Roman Empire, and return to earth the kingdom of Israel. And anybody that worked for Rome was seen as against Israel. And tax collectors worked for Rome, and not only worked for them, they took money from you for taxes to give back to Rome, and then they took a little extra on the side to line their own pockets, and the Roman people didn't do anything about it. They were not liked. So to say that he was despised is an understatement. So in Luke 19, and I don't know if these events happen back to back, but the one we just read is Luke 18, and immediately going to Luke 19, I think they're probably historically right next to each other. And so I want you to think about this. Jesus is trying to get through Jericho, and he just got stopped at the gate, and now he's walking into there, and he says in, verse ni- in Luke 19, verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho, finally, he just healed a blind man, and again, was passing through, no intent to stop and stay. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He was bald. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short and bald, that's the Scott International Version, he could not see over the crowd, all right? So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming his way. I'm telling you, you got to live in the chaotic moment of the scriptures. You got to picture this. A dignified collector accountant climbing a tree to try to see Jesus. That's how desperate he was to figure things out in his life. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, ha, he has gone to to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, and this is later, look, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I repay it back four times the amount. Maybe he just got overcome with himself. Who knows if he actually did this, but this is in the moment of what the presence of the moment is showing him. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Again, Jesus was going through Jericho and the despised, the rejected, the marginalized said, wait, hey. And Jesus said, hey, come to me. I wanna come over, I wanna have lunch with you, I wanna hang out, let's talk. Where did he find the time to do that? Because he made the time to do that. I love this story of the bald little wee man because it captures the boldness of Jesus right, to pause his plans to pursue the publican, the rejected, the despised. What are you doing talking to those people? What are you doing talking to him? Do you know what she's done? Why? Even in the face of prejudice and persecution, Jesus still paused to his ministry of the moment over his plans for the future. Early in my teaching days, my mentor, Wayne Brownson, um, he was a music teacher. I was a PE teacher. 
We existed on the same end of the building. We watched the same hallways every day. Um, great, amazing teacher. He had a plaque in his office that said, students are not an interruption to my time. They are the reason for my time. And I think of that all the time throughout the years. I've thought about that. Are people an interruption to my time or are they reason for my time? Now trust me, people can get irritating. I mean, I don't know if any of you are Seinfeld fans. There's a scene in one of the Seinfeld episodes where Elaine comes in, slams the door. She goes, oh, I hate people. And Jerry goes, I know, right? <laughs> now, maybe some of you are like, Scott, you can't say that. You can't say you hate people. I don't hate people. What we get caught up in is that there's so many things bouncing at us at times. Sometimes you just want to go, I'm done. And sometimes we need to be done. Sometimes we need to step away and restore and rest. Other times we need to go, wait a minute, maybe I'm missing something here. But my point to this Zacchaeus story is this. Jesus knew who he was. He knew what he needed. And so he paused his own journey long enough to say, I'm overwhelmed with people. I'm trying to get through Jericho to the countryside for some restoration. But right now, there's somebody that needs me for this moment. And I can give another moment. Jesus, again, was showing how to be persistent in God's purpose while present in the now. So what does this being present in the now look like? What, is, what does he want us to do in the moment? It, it could mean things like learning to be actively listening when people are actually talking to you. You're not just seeing their mouth move and words come out of their mouth, but you actually hear what they're saying and you repeat back what they're saying and you engage with them in an active listening manner. It could be intentionally engaged in the moment that you're in. Rather than trying to film it, you're in it, just watching it. I was at the baseball game where Cal Raleigh hit that home run. I'd forgotten that I'd left my phone running in my hand. So if you watch the video, the phone's just jumping all around because I just got caught up in the moment. I forgot all about trying to record it, which was actually better. Maybe you're purposely present with your family and your kids. You set aside time to go, nope, I'm going to be present for these important matters. These are things that we might need to be practicing in our life to get there. Because if we don't do them, we're going to miss what I call the dirty dishes dancing moment. I hate dirty dishes. I'd come home from work and there's dirty dishes in the sink. I'd be like, oh my gosh, you kids can't clean up the dirty dishes. And they'd hear me down there grunting and groaning and breathing deep and doing dishes and throwing them in the dishwasher. And they come down, they go, dad, we're going to clean that up. I go, you should have had it cleaned up before I got home. What kind of jerk am I, man, alive? That sounds, as I repeat my life in front of you, I'm like, I know Brene Brown says vulnerability is good and that we should lean with vulnerability. But you know, confession might be good for the soul, but it's bad for the reputation. So let's just say I'm a much better dad now than I was then. But then there were those moments where I'd come home and they're all in the kitchen cleaning up dishes and music's jamming and it's a party and they're dancing, they're having fun. And I'm like, oh, all right, what's going down? You guys are cleaning. They go, no, we're dancing with the dishes. We don't want you to be grumpy. And so I'd get in there, we'd dance, we'd laugh, we'd put the dishes away. You know what now? I'd take dirty dishes in my sink any day of the week. Any day of the week. Because there's no one around to dance and do the dishes with because if I do it with myself, it's just really bad white guy dancing. <laughs> And if someone looks through the window, it's like, whoa, what's going on in there? And now my daughter, who's moved back home because she's going back to college, get her teaching degree, she does her dishes and puts them right away. But I tell you what, 
There's nothing better than dancing with the dishes and your kids in the moment. And I'm telling you, in those moments when you're done, conversations happen. Things pop up. The busyness of what I thought I had to get home to do or get done, dinner could wait, because in that moment, there's a joy that kids just get excited or people get, they feel it like Zacchaeus did. Holy cow, you're coming to my house. I'm going to give all my money back. Why would he blurt that? He's like a really tight accountant guy because people do not experience true in-the-moment engagement when they have a need. I'll be praying for you. Hope things are well. Let me know what I can do. Reach out if you need anything. Let me tell you, when people are in the moment of needing help, they're not going to reach out because they don't know how to reach out. We are the ones that Jesus is saying, stop and reach in. Stop and move in. Sit down and just sit and listen. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. To pause, take perspective, and think about our purpose here on earth. What pulls us away from doing this? Worry and anxiety about the future. What's going to come down here? I got to get this done. We get wound up about these things. The busyness of our schedule. There's nothing wrong with having a full schedule between work and sports and homeschool or public school or however you're doing things in your life. It gets busy. Vain regrets, looking backwards and going, oh, if I'd only done this, if I'd only done that. I relate to that. I missed an opportunity to buy a home when I should have and it kicks me in the butt all the time and I have to get let go of it and go, no, I need to move forward and be now. Those vain regrets will just keep pulling you down in the past. Maybe it's the fear of missing out. You, you're just so worried about not getting everything done with everybody else that you're gonna miss out on something. Maybe it's just being overstimulated in your home or in your life that you don't have any quiet space. So now I'm checking in with you. Have you checked out of the message? How often have we gotten distracted? There's no judgment. There's no problem with that. I understand that. I mean, research shows us that right now, 47% of the time, our minds are not where our feet are. 47% of the time. It's kind of like that family vacation where you're all in the same car, but none of you are present with each other. Headphones on this one, iPad on this one, Mom and dad listen to the podcast. In my day, some kid was in the back of the station wagon facing the completely other way. Whole different vacation experience. <laughs> Never knew what any of the signs said that we were passing, so lost the alphabet game all the time. <laughs> completely clueless as to what's going on in the front end of the station wagon. All right? Present, but not engaged. All right? Studies also show, are you ready for this? I found this very disgusting. All right, just because of germs. Phones are our biggest distraction. The average person touches their phone 2,600 times a day. I, I, I heard this and read this and I actually looked it up, all right? That's average. That's like 108 times an hour. That's almost two times a minute you're touching your phone. That's just the average. Now, if you go up to the extreme, the top 10%, which I call the teenage area, all right? 5,400 times a day they're touching a phone, all right? That's 225 times an hour, almost four times a minute. It's funny, after I'd done this, I was noticing, like, I met up with some friends for lunch, and my phone's on the table, and every now and then, my hand would just go over to the phone and just move it. I'm like, why did I just move my phone? It's like just an instinctual thing. Like I said, the phone's the easy route to go down on this, all right? But what I want you to know is this. Where are those moments in life that we're looking for? I watch outside my window at school as families line up to meet kids to pick up from schools or walking out. 
And I didn't, I'm not joking, because I was thinking about this message this week. I looked at my office manager and said, look out that window, what do you see? She was like, 30 families. I go, look at them. They're all down here. I go, where were the days where there was none of that? We all just stood around talking in the moment. Socializing in the moment. Getting to know each other in the moment. So what, my question is, what pulls you away from the moment? In the today, to be present in the now. And if you can identify that and put it in the right perspective and align it with your purpose, you can be more present for now. I feel what's happened is we want the wow from God and he just wants the now from us. All three of these stories, people came to him for the wow, the miracle. We should go to God for miracles. But I feel in our Christian walk and in our life, we want the wow. And God says, I just want the now present right here. James 4, 13 through 14 says, now listen, you say today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you even, do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little then vanishes. Matthew 6, 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. And then once again, Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Tomorrow's got enough worries. The past has got enough hurt. God's got a miracle in the moment. Be present now. You don't miss what you have now pursuing what you want. Don't miss what you have now pursuing what you want. The disciples wanted a Messiah a person to overthrow the kingdom. They constantly missed the moment with Jesus and they found themselves in an upper room at lost and in fear. They didn't get it and I don't blame them. But how often are we on this journey and in good intentions walking with God forward in what we believe God has laid out but along the way he's going, whoa, whoa, stop, wait a minute. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 just stop for a minute. Whoa, whoa, just, Can you just breathe? Because you're missing the heart of who I am. I'm here for people, because of people. Because people brought sin into this world and wrecked them. And you know what? I created the people. So the wait a minute moments, the nows, is the best opportunity I have with you. Because it's in that now that you're the most needed and God is the most present. Don't miss what you have now, pursuing what you want later. You can't be happy where you're not. You can't be serving Jesus where you're not. You can't be loving others where you're not. I'm gonna close with the last example that I think is the most poignant. Right before Jesus' death, he was in the garden He's pouring out his heart to God, please, a different way, please, a different way. And when he found the resilience in God and the Holy Spirit to walk forward to Golgotha, he finds himself on a cross. And as he's dying, his breath is leaving his body. A thief on the cross says, truly you are the son of God, will you remember me? The last thing on Jesus' mind And he turns and looks, for you today, you will be with me in paradise. 
his last moment. And there's another part on the cross where he looks and sees his mother and says, John, James, take care of my mother. Able to capture moments that align with the purpose of God is what the calling of God is about. You can't be a great friend, spouse, leader, mentor, if you are not present and available now. This is the day, today, now. Carpe diem. Let's be persistent in God's purpose while present in the now. Let's pray. God, as I said at the beginning, um, I wrote this message more for me than anybody because I know the busyness of my own life, um, the worry and anxiety about a future and planning, the regrets of a past that I can't go back and change that are impacting things today. And God, we get overwhelmed and our mind gets distracted and we get, we get moving in a direction that everything that comes up seems like a bother, a hindrance, an interruption. And God, there's a balance that we need to do here, and that's so difficult. How do we balance these things, God? And only in the presence of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, can we recognize the moments, the nows, that you're saying this is a wow moment. Take advantage of it. Be present. God, would we all be more in the Spirit of God to be able to be persistent, all right, in your purpose, but present in the now? Thank you, Jesus, for your example. And thank you for being present enough in the moment when each and every one of us in this room got on our knees and said, now, I need you now, Jesus. And you were there. If you're here today and you've not had that now moment with Jesus, if you've not gotten to that moment where you've said, I, I need you now, I don't know anything else other than I just need you now. We're here to talk to you. We're here to pray with you. Because I don't want you walking out of that door thinking, oh, I can do this later. Because if you do that moment with Jesus now, they'll be wow the rest of your life with him. So I just pray for you, wherever you are, if you need a moment, all right, we're here to talk to you. Thank you.